Blog Talk Radio. The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. Our guests today are Patrick Pitaluga and Sean Warner. They are the co-founders of Grubbly Farms. And I'm going to let them talk to you about what that is, but basically it's using larvae or maggots to feed farm animals. And so, Patrick and Sean, welcome to the show, and tell us about the concept behind Grubbly Farms. Uh, thank you for having us. We really appreciate the invitation to be on the show. And the, the core concept behind Grubbly Farms is utilizing maggots to uh, recycle food waste mm-hmm. uh, and then and then use them as protein for animals or livestock, as you said. Okay. Now, when you say recycled food waste, you're talking about food that would go into uh, landfills or that might just be rotting somewhere. Uh, so you're actually reusing it for, again, the sustainability aspect of it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so we collect food waste that, that would otherwise be going to landfills. Uh, in a landfill, the food waste decomposes and produces methane. But by taking it and feeding it to the maggots, uh, we're able to, one, prevent the space that the food waste would actually take up in the landfill, but then also prevent it from uh, releasing methane, uh, which is a very harmful greenhouse gas. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you come up with this idea? So I actually came up with the idea kind of as a joke during uh, my last semester at Georgia Tech. (laughs) Uh, I wanted to create a burger patty out of insects and sell it in Southeast Asia as the westernized version of what they eat over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, as odd of an idea as that sounds, it kind of led us down a few research articles that we saw that uh, a couple areas around the world, mainly Africa and Europe, were really pushing for the large-scale cultivation of insects. And both Patrick and I became fascinated with the idea, but we also saw an opportunity in America as it was kind of lagging behind due to the stigma. Yeah, well, and that whole gross factor, what kind of an education have you had to, or has it been an education that you've had to sell? I know you mentioned that in Asia, you said the westernized version of what they eat over there, insects are a pretty much accepted food source. However, here in the States, people still, there's a gross factor involved. Although this is being fed to animals, was it quite as much of an education that you had to do? No, not surprisingly, no. So, I mean, like you said, about 2 billion people on Earth will eat insects daily, and uh, the majority of them are in Africa and regions of Asia. And I will say that... uh, as when we first describe our business to new people, they those that are disgusted, they're equally as curious about yeah. it. And we've actually brought uh, bowls of live larvae into conferences that we've gone to. <laughs> and people that walk up that are initially freaking out, by the end of the conversation, we get them to hold a few of them. Really? A couple women have immediately called their husbands and just been like, you won't believe what I just did as they're walking away. And so, I mean, it does have this uh, stigma to it, but 
the way we can describe the process and really the benefit that they provide, it really can change people's minds. And I always like to tell people, even if you are disgusted, don't worry, we're dealing with the larva and you aren't. That's true. Very true. Now, what would this replace or what is this replacing? What's being used now that your product is, is taking the place of? So we're trying to replace the use of fish meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and fish meal is basically about 10% of our ocean's catch are caught and thrown directly more or less into a blender where they produce the fish meal, which is a protein ingredient, and fish oil, which is a fat ingredient. Now, this is the same fish oil that you can take the omega-3 pills. Uh, However, the majority of that goes into aquaculture and livestock feeds. And due to overfishing and the increasing price of other resources, the uh, price of fish meal has increased by about 200% over the past eight years. And it's putting a lot of undue hardships on farms of all sizes. So our goal is to really produce a sustainable set price protein that we can then sell into the agricultural market as a uh, feed ingredient. Now, not only then is this having an economic impact, as you just described, but if I remember correctly, the types of fish that go into this um, blender, as you talk, the forage fish, that's also a very essential part of the ecosystem there for, say, uh, seals and so forth. And so as, uh, as those are harvested more and more to become feed, then you have repercussions for the other populations in the ocean that depend on it for food, right? That is absolutely correct. Uh, the forage fish, such as sardine, heron, they are the smaller fish, schooling fish found at the bottom of the food chain that, like you said, feed a lot, I mean, tons of other animals from seals to tuna to salmon. I mean, the list goes on. And if you, if we cut out that area of the food chain too much, it will have drastic effects later on up the chain and the larger animals that will either consume or uh, enjoy seeing in nature. Yeah, so uh, both economic and environmental impact of your product. Now, let's talk about your operations. You operate out of a warehouse in Georgia, correct? Correct. Yeah, and uh, how about employees and what's your process like? Do you manufacture in-house? Do you outsource that? What? How does that all work? So we are currently manufacturing in-house, and up until about two weeks ago, it was just Patrick and I working on this full-time until we recently hired a new employee, Devin. And uh, uh, as far as the operation goes, we have a truck that we transport food waste with that we collect from different organizations, and we're currently collecting food waste from the Juicery Arden's Garden. Mm -hmm. So it's all pre-consumer food waste that's pulped fruits and vegetables. We then bring it back to our facility, keep it in refrigerated storage tanks because we have to keep the food at feed grade material. And then uh, in our warehouse, we have large fly breeding cages that we're actually housing a number of flies and we collect their eggs on a daily routine and then hatch them and raise the larva over a uh, about a 20 day growth cycle before harvesting them and then processing them into the proteins and fats. You didn't always operate out of a warehouse. When this first got started, as I recall from the story, this actually started in a small apartment while you were still in school. Is that correct? Absolutely yes. correct. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about those days. And that wasn't too long ago. Was it just a couple of years ago, maybe? Uh, it was 
year and a half ago. Year and a half ago. Okay, even more recent. So tell us about what that was like. It was your laundry room, I believe, wasn't it? Yep. So uh, we bought uh, 700 larvae off Amazon um, that typically uh, they're sold there to be like reptile uh, food Mm -hmm. or something like that for for lizards. So we bought 700 on, uh, on Amazon. We started growing them, and then we set up a pretty much a mosquito net in our laundry room that we hung from the ceiling and then duct taped it to the floor uh, and started experimenting with figuring out how to breed them because as we were researching it, uh, one of the first things that we learned was that breeding these flies, uh, and these aren't normal flies that are house flies that you see all the time. These are a species called the black soldier fly. Uh, we learned that they are difficult to breed in captivity under artificial light. And so that's where we decided to start the process. And so we set up a, a mini fly net or fly cage in our laundry room and started experimenting with different lights until we uh, found a combination of lights that allowed us to or encouraged them to start breeding and laying eggs. Yeah. In, any mishaps there? I mean, I'm sure that it was a game of cat and mouse trying to keep this from the landlord. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I, there was one evening that we were just about to go to bed, and we just decided to check to make sure that everything was was doing all right in the uh, fly and larva room. And we saw that we had a large uh, escape, and oh, no. there was larva crawling on the floor, uh, up the walls. I mean, they were they were literally everywhere, and so we quickly. Uh, started scooping them up, uh, sweeping them up with a broom, and trying to contain the mess. But uh, I'm sure that you won't be surprised to know that weeks to even months later, uh, we were finding random uh, larvae just like either under our couch or just like crawling along uh, the side of the, the, the room. Um, so I mean, they, they were they definitely were everywhere. Oh my, I can only imagine. I <laughs> like something out of a horror story. Um I but I mean I I just don't I just uh have a big creep factor with any kind of a bug, but okay, so before we went into how you got this started in your uh laundry room of your apartment in college, you were talking about your operations and all of the things that go into it leading up to the manufacture of the actual product. Um, what what kind of products are you manufacturing now specifically? So right now we're entering the market selling the dehydrated larvae as treats for backyard pet chickens. Uh, I will say up until about a year ago, I didn't really know about the industry, but it is a surprisingly booming industry. People are treating chickens more like pets now, collecting their eggs. And the same way you give your dog a treat, you can walk into your backyard and throw a handful of the dried larva on the ground and the chickens will come running over and they absolutely love the, the stuff. Yeah, and surprisingly, more and more, because I know some in the suburbs here around Kansas City, more and more municipalities are actually allowing chickens to be kept in backyards. Yeah, it is. Uh, Georgia has passed a couple laws very recently that uh, the number of counties that allow it, it keep in, it's increasing and increasing. Okay, so so that's this is your first product then is these chicken treats. That is correct. So our end goal is to produce, uh, as I said before, to compete with fish meal at the commercial level of protein. However, 
just the quantities needed at that are uh, tremendous and uh, we would have to jump into an incredibly large facility to supply that. So we're starting off with the chicken treats and then we're going to look down a number of different avenues including uh, actual looking into chicken feed, the potential of dog treats, dog feed, and then uh, aquaculture as well as the option of even looking into fishing bait or exotic pets. And it's really a, a long list, I mean, even into songbirds that you could feed. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you planning to fund this? Are you using crowdfunding or are you out there actively looking for traditional investment? What is your plan there? So we have raised a small round of funding through a number of accelerators. We are currently going through the accelerator up in New York City called Techstars, mm-hmm. and that did come with a, uh, a convertible safe note uh, just being accepted into the program. However, at the end of the program, we will be looking for additional funding, mainly at uh, angel investors or VCs, which are venture, venture capitalists. Okay. And how are you selling this now? You've got the one product. Are you selling it online or are you going directly to certain types of stores like feed stores? I mean, especially since, I mean, or, or are you targeting, since they're pets, chick, pet chickens, are you targeting uh, the pet smarts of the world? I mean, how, how's that working? So right now we are selling them solely online on our website. However, in the future, we will be looking into targeting the commercial retailers and uh, opening up gateways there, whether looking at, like you said, PetSmart, Petco, or even the Tractor Supply or Ace Hardware areas. Mm-hmm. What is the what has the response been so far? I mean, I know that we've talked about the growth factor and that there's been some a little bit of overcoming of that, but that it sounds like that you overcome that pretty quickly. But what has the response been in terms of uh, the the idea itself? Uh, it's been very uh, well received. Most customers absolutely love the product. Uh, they, I mean, there are a number of other products that you can buy online, but they like the fact that we raised the larva in the United States under FDA and uh, USDA regulations so that they know that we keep a clean facility and also we follow the guidelines as far as what we're feeding the larva. Okay. And then what is, um, what is your competition like? Do you have any competition? Are you the first ones to the market with this kind of idea? Uh, so at the commercial level, there are a number of other companies looking into the insect-based proteins around the world. I will say they're more prevalent in Europe and Africa. However, uh, even though even though they are considered competition, a lot of these companies are doing joint research efforts together because the insect industry as a whole is still in its infancy, and they're really trying to get it off the ground. And once it's already been established, that's when we jokingly say, uh, they'll start actually fighting for competition. But until then, a lot of these companies are actually uh, working together to an extent, trying to just get the industry off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you, you know, just in general, how common is it to uh, grow or to raise insects for food? And it sounds like outside of, like you say, Africa and Asia, that it's still a very, very young industry. So it's ripe for uh, exploiting. That is very true. Yeah. What are some of the things that you think are going to be the biggest challenges to that? Um, so scaling a manufacturing operation is definitely very difficult. Um, those That in and of itself has its own challenges, but also we're developing some uh, unique technology that uh, will allow us to increase the efficiencies of 
growing uh, the larva, but then also that will allow us to uh, cut out a lot of the human labor that goes into uh, growing the bugs that a lot of companies around the world uh, are still having challenges doing. So mm-hmm. uh, developing technology and then being able to scale it uh, is, is definitely going to be one of our largest challenges. Yeah, and, and just it sounds like getting that funding for each of the next stages uh, is you know, going to be critical as well. Where do you see, what, what's your end game? Where do you see this going uh, ultimately? Uh, so we'd, we'd like to see it, and, and we do uh, foresee Grubbly Farms being a large company that uh, offers several products through multiple industries. Um, so obviously one, uh, I guess at the core, or at not the core, at the beginning, uh, we can offer food waste recycling because that's just our that's our raw material. But then we obviously have protein, uh, we have fats, uh, and then there's also another product that uh, we haven't mentioned yet, but it's a product called uh, Chitons, mm-hmm. which is a long chain polymer found in the exoskeleton of the the larva, and that can is used in a wide area of industries. It's used in textile, uh, paper, medicines, uh, cosmetics, uh, water ionization. So that has uses all over the place. And right now it's only being harvested from crustacean shells. So uh, that has huge potential to it. But then also uh, we produce as a byproduct of the system a large amount of natural fertilizer uh, which can be very beneficial for either produce farming or home gardening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so there's all kinds of applications here, and uh, I, I, it's. Do you find it somewhat um, surprising that this hasn't been explored much until now? Yeah, absolutely. It it still uh, it really amazes me that insects, being one of the most protein dense animals on Earth. I mean, they have been cultivated for hundreds of years, but generally on the very small scale. And it still amazes me that you look at the poultry industry and the size of it or the swine industry, and you think, why hasn't that been done with a insect? And it's the past few years, people have been really pushing for that. But it, I mean, there's new studies coming out every other week from the discovery that mealworms can eat through styrofoam to the black soldier fly having a potential antimicrobial property to them where they actually can reduce salmonella or E. coli factors in uh, manure that they've tested. Yeah, it, it, it's just amazing what's trapped there, you know, right under our noses that could be, you know, the next medical breakthrough or, as you said, you know, with what you're doing specifically right now, just the economic and the um, environmental advantages of working with insects. It's, it, you know, you just don't even think about it. And I think, do you think that it's, a, especially in the Western world, that it's the cultural aversion that has kept uh, some of this from moving forward? Uh, I do. I believe it, it, it entirely is that. Uh, I mean, people are slow, slow adopting to new ideas, mm-hmm. and uh, it will come around. It will be a number of years, but I believe that people are becoming more and more, I guess, understandable of the idea, uh, even if they don't necessarily agree with it. And that's just insects being utilized either for a- uh, 
animal feeds or in the way future, potentially human consumption as well around the world. Yeah, just just absolutely amazing. Sounds like you've got a great future ahead of you there. And if anybody would like to find out more about what you do or get in touch with you, how would they do that? Uh, they can find us at www.grublyfarms.com. And Grubly is G-R-U-B-B-L-Y. Um, or we can be emailed at info or at info at grublyfarms.com. Okay, so grublyfarms.com, grubbly with two B's and a Y, and uh, info at grublyfarms.com. Uh, we're going to be following you. This is such a fascinating concept, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be checking in with you periodically to see how things are going. In the meantime, thank you so much for your time today and letting us in on this idea. Well, thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at ithinkbigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.